0: This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, when all has been heard, in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. So did nobody hear me? (laughs) Strong Strong voice, yeah, because I had kids. So being created in God's image, what does the Lord tell us? He says, think, ponder, reflect, examine. He invites us to use our reasoning faculties. And too often, we get into the mindset that when we give our hearts to God, he's just going to tell us what to do. And that he's going to run us like robots. But he doesn't. And there are things that are not black and white. That we have to think about, reason about, and the Bible says iron is made better by iron and man is actually made better by contact with his neighbor. As we reason together as brothers and sisters, as we reason with, uh, with God and he reasons with us, he tests our reasoning faculties. Are you thankful today for reasoning faculties? And a healthy lifestyle sharpens reasoning faculties. Do we need sharp reasoning faculties? We absolutely do. And in God's plan, even when we blunder, even when we make a mistake, uh, we don't have to give up, we can get up. So it's not about winning and losing, it's about winning and learning. Because if you've learned something from what's happened to you, then have you gained strength and wisdom, if you can walk in a new path as a result. Uh, Some of the richest lessons in life are from mistakes that we have made. So today, we are talking about mental habits. Mental habits. Because about 50 to 60 percent of what we think is just automatic. How many of you would like to have your, your thinking retooled? Because you have monologues going on in your head that are defeating you. And they're not truth. You can feel something, but that doesn't make it true. God's Word is true. And we need to speak what we know instead of what we feel. I'm not trying to diminish feelings. But if they're at the helm, we're headed for a disaster. It is in the news. Your brain habits and attitudes can change for good. How many of you like that idea? That we're not just fated to be what we are. This is, uh, this is a quote by Dr. John Rady. He, he's a neuropsychiatrist from Harvard University. He wrote an amazing little book called A User's Guide to the Brain. And he said this, One necessary precursor to change, though, is often a change in what? Attitude. It's much more about attitude than aptitude when it comes to success in life. We're not conditioned that way. We don't think that way. But that is the truth. That is the truth. I want to discuss the work of Dr. Carol Dweck this afternoon. She wrote a book called Mindset. And in this book, she's a social scientist who wrote about the fixed versus the growth mindset. Now, we are told that true science and inspiration are in perfect harmony. So in the Word of God, we find principles. We find principles of health. We find principles of relationships. We find principles of stewardship. We find principles of mental health. Have you seen, as you've read the Word of God, principles of mental health? Uh, And so as we look at these things, we may read some quotes from secular scientists, but those quotes are often in harmony with principles in the Word of God. And so I will use them to support the truths of the Word of God. And if they're not supported in the Word of God, you're not going to see them on the program. How about that? So she describes the fixed mindset. The fixed mindset. She describes... The individual, and some of this is genetic, some of it is environmental, we can be trained this way, raised this way. The fixed mindset believes that traits such as intelligence, ability, personality, and competence are inborn and basically unchangeable. And in her research, Dr. Dweck found that if you have a fixed mindset, you believe that your qualities are carved in stone and cannot be changed. You are born a certain way, you will stay that way forever. What this does in the personality of this person with this mindset is it creates an urgency to prove your worth over and over again. It makes it very difficult for such an individual to admit a mistake. So let's repeat this together. I was wrong. I made a mistake. mistake. I'm really sorry. sorry. It was my fault. fault. I've learned something today. today. Hey, isn't that great? That is not what a fixed mindset can do. A fixed mindset is going to blame somebody uh, as she gives amazing examples from the world of scholastics, big business, sports. Uh, the fixed mindset believes that if you actually have to work at something, if you have to work at improving, it means you're actually basically lacking in intelligence and innate ability. And she names a sports figure. As an example of this, how many of you um, have ever watched Wimbledon, the tennis, the tennis matches at Wimbledon? Wimbledon, you know Wimbledon? You know tennis. Okay, so this group isn't tennis. Okay, I'm not either. But in the days of Wimbledon, there was a tennis player that people who didn't even like tennis would, would watch just to watch this man throw temper tantrums. His name was John McEnroe. <laughs> and and if, uh, if, if he felt the call was wrong or if the sand wasn't right, if he missed a shot, he'd throw tantrums, he'd break his racket, somebody sneezed, they distracted him, the, the sand was wrong for his hand, the, the, the uh, coach was wrong, and, and people just had parties watching this man lose control of himself on the tennis court. And he was a natural, natural athlete. Now, the fixed results... The fixed mindset views themselves as either smart or dumb, strong or weak, competent or incompetent, winners or losers, successful or a failure. Parents can unintentionally foster this type of mindset by telling their children that they're an Einstein just because they get an A on their little first grade math test. Or they can call their child a Picasso because he smudges a, a son on a piece of paper and now he's a natural artist or a natural genius. And people can be born with these tendencies. Children with, uh, with a fixed mindset, toddlers with a fixed mindset will always choose easy puzzles because they constantly have to affirm to themselves that they're on top of it. So it's not about learning. It's about proving competence. And this is the orientation toward life. She has a section in there, and I don't have it on on this program today, but there's a section on when fixed mindsets marry. You know, the marriage is supposed to be made in heaven. right? But anybody who's married knows that marriage takes work. Love needs help. And that problems need solving. But when you have a mindset that if it's meant to be, it should be easy. If you're meant to be in a certain profession or what you're going into, young man, you're going into some, I I imagine it's hard, this mechanical thing that you're going to do. And if you go in with the assumption that it's supposed to be easy, what would be the reaction psychologically when you fail or somebody's doing it better? What's the reaction? What's the tendency? It's going to happen? You're going to quit. You're going to be likely to get discouraged and quit and beat up on yourself. And so these children, this big, are picking easy puzzles to prove that they are competent. So the fixed results, challenges, this group tends to avoid them. Obstacles, they give up easily. Effort, they see as fruitless. Criticism, they ignore. Other people's success, they find threatening for the fixed mindset every situation calls for a confirmation of their intelligence personality or character every situation is evaluated will I succeed or fail will I look smart or dumb will I be accepted or rejected will I feel like a winner or a loser I think we've all been infected with a little bit of this. Some of us have it to a pretty high degree. And so it creates a rigid, perfectionistic temperament that is very difficult to have happiness in life. So, the fixed mindset traits this personality tends to be negative, they tend to have a lot of self pity. You know, with my background, being a runaway and having all of this stuff. And coming from a violent home and having negative parents and being in a negative neighborhood and having a negative theology, why do you think this topic is interesting to me? Why do you think this program exists? I tell you, God is good. I surprise myself waking up cheerful these days. Yeah, I am so happy to learn new things, but it did not come by accident. It used to be that if I made, I used to get migraines even thinking about doing a meeting like this. I'd get a migraine because I might say something wrong. Well, guess what? Join the human race. Of course I'm going to say something wrong. I just hope I don't end up on CBS, 60 Minutes. (laughs) But it used to literally make me sick. And I'm so thankful now that I realize that I'm just part of the human race. And I'm not always going to land on all fours. And if somebody can get a blessing, and if God's called me to do this, if I make a mistake, it doesn't mean that God isn't using me. It means I made a mistake. Wow, that's hard for some people to wrap their heads around. Huh? Making a mistake? What do we do? We're sanctified Christians. How do we just do dumb things when we're walking with God? Well, we do, because we have to learn. So they tend to be anxious. They tend to be depressed. They tend to be unforgiving, self-absorbed. You know, the list goes on. Benjamin Barber said this. He's a sociologist quoted in the book. He said, I do not divide the world into the weak and the strong or successes and failures. I divide the world into learners and non-learners. Isn't that amazing? Children with a growth mindset like hard puzzles. They enjoy the challenge. They don't mind the fact that the puzzle is too hard. They don't mind the fact that they're not going to be able to put it together when one of their friends might be able to. It's a learning mindset. The growth mindset believes that although people may differ in basic aptitudes, interests, and temperament, everyone can change, grow, and improve. Does that sound like a more biblical model to you? Now think about this in a marriage, or a friendship, or in school, or in your walk with God. Imagine the fixed mindset. You're obese, you come to one of the obesity programs that we're holding. The first time you make a mistake, if you have a fixed mindset, what's going to happen? You're going to quit. You're going to give up. The program's no good. The speaker was no good. She said something wrong at the meeting, and therefore I'm leaving home, You know, which would reinforce. (laughs) So they're they're going to blame, ignore, reject. Too fragile, too sensitive. You know, um, Judas was too sensitive for the Lord to correct. He was too fragile. Peter got it right between the ears, didn't he? Well, I mean, the Lord spoke with him, but he had a growth mindset, and that was the difference. Serious flaws in the disciples, and the ones who had a growth learning mindset could take what the Lord needed to give them to help to bring, build strength into their, into their uh, characters. But if we are so fragile and so easily broken, and so sensitive about our mistakes and flaws and problems and character, you know, it's really hard to say I was selfish. There's no excuse. I'm really sorry. But it feels good. Because we are. The Lord is still cleansing his people. Amen? So if we can get on the growth plan, I'm sorry I'm walking around, I had an attitude. I had an attitude at that meeting. It was all about me at that meeting. And I'm sorry. Yeah, I've had to do that. I get all, you know, my husband used to tell me, Vicki, it seems like your, your motto is ready, shoot, aim. He said, if only when we were at meetings there was a curtain, I could, you know, kick you, you know, give you a little, just. And so I said, all right, Dane Griffin, I'm going to take an Advil PM before I ever go to a meeting again. Watch and see. I'm not going to say a word. I'm going to be a wallflower. Well, I'll tell you what. If you're not called to be a wallflower, if you're not a wallflower, it isn't going to work. I've tried it. It doesn't work. (laughs) You know, you have to get to where you actually like and appreciate what God has made you to be. It's really hard if you've never had that instilled in you. But the problem is wherever you go, you're gonna be there. (laughs) You know, so you've got to make friends with who you are and then let the Lord continue to improve. You might as well enjoy your friendship and relationship with God as He grows you, but hating yourself every second of the day for every mistake you ever make is not God's plan for your life. That's a lie of the devil. Are you with me? It's a lie. So the growth mindset has a passion for stretching and growing even when they have made mistakes and are facing challenges. We can turn our mistakes into victories. The growth results, challenges, they embrace them. You know, there's a saying. When we first did our, our um, Foods for Thought book, we have three books here. This one is Living Free, Finding Freedom from Habits That Hurt, Simple Solutions is what you're eating eating you on depression and immune function and then foods for thought um mood memory learning and behavior and when we did our we're in the fourth edition of this book and the first edition my husband and i were just hired at the conference god gave us in michigan this amazing conference president, we still have Jay Gallimore, he, he, you know, he and the team and the officers actually funded us to create soul-winning materials for you to use uh, all over the world, and so we were so excited about our first book. It's beautifully illustrated, well-referenced, it's, you know, it, it was just our offering to God. To me, this was my offering to God for the years of wretchedness and then God could just kill me. Then, then I would just be done and die. And it would all be over. And then life would be easy because I'd be gone. That, this was my thinking. So we did this book. And in the first edition, there was an 800 number that we purchased for this book. And it was in three places. We did 20,000 copies. And the executive committee, this was really huge. They created this, this department, the Health Ministries Department. They created it for Dane and I. And so this was our, our really big deal. So it came press day, and we hadn't quite confirmed that 800 number, but we were sure it was our number. And so it was press day, you know, and you, you just can't miss press day. So we said, go ahead, run the, run the books. So they ran 20,000 books. And when the books came off the press, We dialed the number and finally got through. We kept trying and trying. We couldn't get through, couldn't get through. We finally got through the day. We got 20,000 books printed. We got through. And it was an 800 number to a specialty tobacco company. So if you were really stressed, we have a tobacco for you. (laughs) And I remember laying in bed that morning and thinking, this would be a good day to get hit by a train. (laughs) I'm going to stop eating vegetables. I want to just die as soon as possible. I didn't want to go to work. I didn't even have a runny nose. I had to go in. I had to tell Elder Gallimore what happened. We tried to call the guy who owned the number, we begged him. We would have mortgaged our house to get that number. But he was a mystic. And the more we begged him for that number, and the more money we offered him for that number, the more he thought it was a special number. And he wouldn't sell it to us. So there I have to go to work and tell my boss, my brand new employer with a brand new project, that we're selling tobacco now. And I will never see. So see, one of the meetings that I'm doing. I think it's tomorrow. is on leadership, how to how to lead yourself and lead others, how to create fruitfulness in team building, and it was born out of all of this because I went in to tell him, and I told Eller Gallimore what happened, and I saw this micro. You know how our faces do micro expressions. I saw him do this. It was ever so subtle, and. Then he caught himself. And he was immediately focused on valuing me as an employee who made an honest mistake and finding a solution. And he immediately said, well, the next time, what? (laughs) The next time, we need to check the number and make sure before we go to press. Now let's solve the problem. And we ended up printing 60,000 stickers. (laughs) to put over those numbers. So all the secretaries had to put all these stickers in these areas. And I had a pastor from Ireland come to one of my trainings who was using the first edition of the Simple Solution book. And I told this story. And he said, I always wondered why there are all these stickers in the first edition of the book. (laughs) Well, that was why we had to put the right number. But I was that taught me such an important lesson, that when someone makes a mistake who's on your team, who is your friend, who is a loved one, who is a fellow student, Whatever the person is, when they have made a mistake, they have just become more valuable to you. They've become more valuable to to what you are working on. We don't castigate and eliminate people uh, when they make mistakes. The really big question in life is not, what are we going to do when we're wrong? Because we all know how to eat humble pie, and we've eaten plenty of it. But the real question is, how are we going to behave when we're right and somebody else is wrong? That's where the life of Christ comes alive in our souls. Amen? So the growth mindset embraces challenges. Someone told me, Vicki, your enemies will tell you what your friends won't. If it's true, accept it. Who cares if they like you or not? Who cares if they're being mean or not? If it's true, receive it and leave them in God's hands. Amen? You cannot get money out of a bankrupt ATM. Don't try to get strength and wisdom and love from people who are bankrupt and unconverted. You are called to get your fullness from Christ so that you can give to others. So challenges, they embrace them, obstacles, they persist, effort, they see as a path to mastery, criticism, they learn from it, other people's success they find inspiring. So what are the growth mindset traits that develop. We're talking about character here. This is this character, this, this seed of mindset is what blossoms character. It is character, not talent, that will bring us through to the close of time. That's what we need. And a growth mindset is the seed of a great character. It doesn't matter how wiped out you are now. It doesn't matter where you came from, what your genetics are, what your background is. It doesn't matter what's happened to you. The Lord says in Isaiah chapter 61 verse 7, I will give you back double. I will reward you double for the shame that you have had to experience in your circumstance on earth. That's an amazing God. Why are we walking around bankrupt when God wants to give us workers' compensation right now? So the growth mindset tends to be positive tends to be more buoyant, more resilient. I spent a day uh, at a seminar conducted by a psychoneuroimmunologist. They study the brain-body connection in disease and depression and immune function. And he said something that I never forgot. He worked with elite athletes. He said, the opposite of depression is not joy. I wish it was, don't you? Wouldn't you just love to be just happy all the time? Forget it. Only canaries do that. The opposite of joy is not gladness. I mean, the opposite of depression is not gladness. It is resiliency. It is the ability to tunnel through trouble. That's what the opposite of depression is. It's not the presence of feelings. It's the absence of not being able to move, no motivation. So the growth mindset tends to be positive. More self forgetful because you're not trying to prove yourself all the time. You're not so worried about how you look. You're worried about what you're going to learn. More trusting, you realize that friends are friends, but they're not God. They're going to make mistakes and they can't read your mind. You know, your husband can't read your mind either. I mean, I remember when my husband and I married, I, you know, here's what wives say they say, Are those your socks on the floor? <laughs> yeah. And then he goes in the other room wait a minute, read my mind, pick them up. (laughs) They tend to be more forgiving because they've learned to be gracious in in their understanding of God and in their understanding of what it means to grow in Christ. They're not making excuses for their wrongs. You know, there may be a reason why you are where you are, but don't make the reason an excuse. There's a difference. So this is Wilma Rudolph. How many of you have heard of Wilma Rudolph? I wish you hadn't seen that picture just now. Wilma was born prematurely, the 20th of 22 children. She suffered as a sickly child with serious bouts of measles, mumps, chicken pox, pneumonia, scarlet fever, and polio. It was the polio that left her with a paralyzed leg and doctors predicted she would never walk. When she was six years old, she was fitted with a steel brace that allowed her to hobble for short periods. She would secretly remove the brace and work her leg, and by the time she was 12, she could walk on her own for very short periods of time. In high school, she joined the track team, and she pretty much lost every meet, every time. She, in her own words, had this to say about that experience of persistently, consistently losing these track events. She said this, whether at a track event, at school, or at the Olympics, I love the exhilaration that comes with what? Simply improving. What an incredible thing is that she was known as the Black Gazelle. She was the first woman to win three gold medals for the fastest speed in the world in the Summer Olympics of 1960. What if she had grown bitter instead of better? What if she compared her lot of poverty, racism, handicaps, the less ability that she had in high school, in track meets? What if she had focused on those things instead of just the joy of improving. She was a Christian, and she began uh, the Wilma Rudolph Foundation, and she traveled the world teaching children about the value of focus, discipline, and positive thinking in Christ, of course. She died at the age of 54 of a brain tumor, but she died a victor. She didn't die a victor because she won gold medals. She died a victor because of the character she developed in spite of obstacles, setbacks, and others around her who apparently were more gifted than she was. She just simply had that seed of the growth mindset. How many of you would like to have that mindset in your heart in every area of life? Sometimes we do in one area, but in another area where we can be quite self-limiting and unrealistic in our expectations. Uh, when I uh, when I knew that God was leading me, I was in law school and public administration, and and when I knew that God was leading me in this direction, I knew that I wanted to take uh, chemistry and biochemistry and get uh, my advanced degree in human nutrition. So I had to take these chemistry courses, and. Uh, So I did not know when I signed up for chemistry that there's chemistry for engineers and there's chemistry for pre-med. They're different. And so I'm with these kids. There's some kids in here. So I'm a mother of two, and and I go to the community college, and I sign up for the wrong chemistry course. And I have as fixed a mindset as a human being can get. So I'm going to go in there, I'm going to ace this thing, and I know absolutely nothing. And now I open my chemistry book, and it's talking about suspension bridges, yards of cement, (laughs) all these unbelievable things. And and all of these kids in this class are just, "Uh uh-huh, yep, 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 yep. And I don't know what he is talking about. I don't even understand the symbols on the board. I go home crying, and I tell my husband, I'm done. You know, I can't. What do I care about hanging suspension bridges? I just want to teach health. And then he gives me a pep talk. Vicky, you're a taxpayer. You know, he's a public servant. Your teacher's a public servant. And it's the smart ones that always ask the questions. You're just asking the questions that the other ones are afraid to ask because they're too shy. So be that Joan of Arc in that classroom. And you ask those questions that everybody wishes they had the nerve to ask. So I went believing him. <laughs> and the teacher got so frustrated with me, because I sat right in the front, right in the middle, the laser focus. And finally, he said, when it was break time, he, he made a crack. And he said, maybe you should go play on the speed bumps in the parking lot. I mean, it was really rotten. I went home. I said, I'm done. I said, I'm so done. Mm -hmm. Dane said, oh, no, no, no. You're going to be a genius. This is amazing. You're going to be able to, you know, like, work with construction teams hanging these bridges. And (laughs) And, well, I had to work harder. I cried a lot. I studied a lot and I aced that class. I got an A. So I just want to tell you, if anybody would like to know how to hang a suspension bridge, please come and see me after (laughs) class. (laughs) Now, I will tell you the story of Jennifer Houlette. Jennifer Houlette was a woman who hated physics. She didn't take physics in high school. She didn't think girls did physics. Physics is for guys. It was a scary looking thing to her. She didn't take it in college. She took uh, science classes in her, post-doc pro- in her doctoral and postdoc programs. Didn't take physics, avoided it. She went to work for the National Institute of Health. And one day, she was coming down the stairs and she was looking over the um, the first floor, and she saw three Nobel laureates standing around a copy machine trying to figure out what button to push to make a copy. And she enjoyed the sight for a few minutes. And then she realized that it's not about intelligence. It's about familiarity. It's about familiarity. In fact, Alfred Benet the creator of the intelligence test, that test was created to assess French school children's uh, abilities where they were in any space and time. It wasn't meant to be an assessment of who you are as a human being and what you can ever accomplish in life. It's just what you know now. And we know from inspiration that studying the Word of God and living the lifestyle plan that he has for us increases our faculties and expands our intelligence. This is an incredible thing. But we have to be able to have our brains working hard. An addicted brain is working smart, but it's not working hard. Well, Jennifer decided at that moment that she was going to familiarize herself with physics. And she did. She wrote an amazing book. It was on the New York Times bestseller list for five weeks. And it's called Black Bodies and Quantum Cats. And I got the book because I hate physics. And I read it as a vacation read. And it's fabulous. It talks about the Fibonacci sequence, the golden ratio, how cameras work. Couldn't believe it. It's just a wonderful little book. And, uh, and, and it really taught me that we mustn't be afraid of familiarizing ourselves with new things. That's part of the creative brain that God gave you and I. And it's one of the keys for unlocking addictions because the brain is designed to learn new things. And it brings pleasure. We talk a lot in addictions about dopamine D2 receptors that in the reward pathways of the brain and how they get all messed up and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But all throughout the brain there are dopamine D3, 4, 5, and 6 receptors and when we engage in these other activities it stimulates dopamine in those areas of the brain and that's really good news. Those are backup systems. God has built you with backup systems. Even the cheapest computers have backup systems to protect the hardware and God has built so many backup systems within the human system that when we familiarize ourselves with the mind-body-spirit connection when we act upon the principles that he's given us it begins to activate those backup systems for healing and restoration and recovery and renewal it's not just spiritual it's physical as well amen he has a plan he has promises and he has power we've got to use all three together So Aristotle said this. He said, what we learn to do, we learn by doing. Excellence, then, is not an act. It's a habit. You know, you've heard the saying, practice makes perfect, but practice also makes permanent. Practice makes permanent. If you want to be more polite, just practice. If you want to smile more, what do you have to do? Practice. If you want to have a better attitude, you have to do what? Practice. You have to practice. And this intelligence thing is really interesting. My husband told me this story. I think it came out of Prince George's County. It used to be that many years ago, in some schools, when the, these intelligence ch- tests were given to children, uh, they would seat the children in the classroom according to their scores. So the children with the higher scores would sit in the front and the lower scores in the back. So, what was the expectation of the children? The expectation of the children was the ones in the front are going to do well, and the expectation is the ones in the back are going to do less well. What was the expectation of the teacher? That the, t- that the kids in the front are going to do well, and the kids in the back are going to do less well. Well, there was one classroom where the kids with the higher IQ scores were not doing well, and the kids with the lower scores, there were a group of them that were just doing very well. The principal came to investigate and found out, he discovered, that the teacher had inadvertently seated these children according to their locker numbers. (laughs) So what's the lesson? Higher than the highest thought is God's ideal for man. Whatever circumstance you are in, whatever pain you are covered over in. Whatever diagnosis you've received, whatever's happening in your life, whatever is going on that you have absolutely no control of, if you will stay with God, if you will do what you know and not what you feel, God will improve you, strengthen you, empower you, and you will come out better on the other end, no matter what it is. When I went through the cancer journey with my husband and lost him, I thought I was going to die. I prayed to die. I prayed to die for weeks after I lost him. He was the only amazing thing I'd ever had in my life, and now he was gone. And it seemed like the most cruel blow that a human being could suffer. And I still don't know why it happened, and I've had to hear th- why people think it, hap- thinks it it's happening. Everybody has an opinion, you know. Well, God knows what you need, was what one person said. And I said, I said this in the other class. I, my response was, well, couldn't God have started by like, breaking my nose? You know, And if that doesn't work with whatever I need to learn, you know, we go from there. Um, so people say things, and they don't mean harm. But it does cause harm. But I will tell you that what you learn in the light is what you are going to take with you into the darkness. When you are in a crisis, when your whole world, when you're going through a wind tunnel and a paper shredder at the same time when the, the when the fine tapping of the chisel becomes a wrecking ball in your life what you have learned to do habitually in the light when it's calm and when it's easy is exactly what you're going to take with you into the dark because you're not going to be you're not going to have the resources or capability to do anything different i was on automatic pilot i ate correctly i went for walks we had our worships my feelings were on a roller coaster, they were all over the place. I didn't understand what was happening. And yet, God held me through what I had already learned. This is really key. So I hope that you will take this and realize that every moment of peace that you have is a moment of preparation for what's coming. Because you can't predict what's going to happen from one minute to the, to the next. You know, you thought when you graduated from school that you were through learning. But life is all about learning. And with the right mindset, with a growth mindset, learning can become a joy instead of a trial. Learning from a mistake doesn't have to be an arrow of persecution or torture or discouragement. It can actually be a joy to go to God with what you need. Amen? He supplies all of our needs by his riches in Christ Jesus. I like what Dr. Rady says, the psychiatrist from Harvard. We are not prisoners of our genes or our environment. Poverty, alienation, drugs, hormonal imbalances, and depression do not dictate failure. Can you think of some people in history who suffered from the demons of depression and who actually had quite successful Amazing lives, even in spite of and because of what they struggled. They were remarkable individuals. Can anybody think of someone in history? Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln, Absolutely. He said, if I were to share what the condition of my mind is uh, throughout the nation, we would be miserable. Every person would be miserable. He suffered severely from depression. Can you think of someone else that suffered from depression who was a great uh, figure in history? Ellen White, really? Okay. Yes, she did have seasons of depression. When she lost her husband, she was basically in bed for a year. Uh, What about Winston Churchill? Rejected. His parents didn't love him. Uh, He was an outcast. He was unpopular. But that prepared him for saving Europe. He was so used to acting alone and making decisions alone and not feeling good about it, that when it came time to make an amazing decision, he was ready. He didn't need a bandwagon of, of yes men in order to make a decision that was unpopular, and he did it. Charles Spurgeon is another example. Martin Luther uh, is another example. So lifestyle can help, but sometimes it just dials the, it. It will dial it down. Sometimes we're just going to have this stuff like a dumb, uh, like a dull hum in our brain. It doesn't mean you're a failure just because you don't hit the bullseye whether it comes to aching knees or a condition that you have that's chronic or a a mental anxiety that you have to fight for your life. God will use you in spite of it. Once you've done everything you can, leave it with God and do the right thing. You don't have to feel right to do right. Amen? You can just do right and your feelings will come along later. Wealth, acceptance, vegetables and exercise do not guarantee success. We must remember that genetics is not destiny. Genes set boundaries for human behavior, but within these boundaries, there's immense room for variation. Determined by experience, it's called experience-dependent plasticity. So would you like to have a new experience today? You can create one. And by the way, if you're taking pictures of any of these, these are Getty images, so they can't go online. I, I you know so they just have to stay on your camera otherwise you'll be visiting me with glow tracks you know in some cell somewhere <laughs> please don't do that now these the the ones that we have here are absolutely you know, editable you can put them online praise the lord god worked a miracle for us so we always have the ability to remodel our brains so let's say you have an association with a place with a very traumatic event or a bad memory can you take it back? Can you claim it back and rebaptize it with a new memory? Can you do that? Can you make a choice to do that? To think about it a new way? That's one of the amazing healing things of spending time in God's word because it helps us to rethink life from God's perspective. So now we trust and love God for who he says he is and not what we feel. Otherwise, we've made a God in our own image. We are to trust and praise God for who he is. His thoughts are beyond ours. His ways past finding out. I still don't understand why I have to do this without my husband. But now I've come to the place where I don't need to understand in order to be happy. Praise the Lord. Can you just say amen with me? Amen. Thank you. And it's hard to get there. If you have to have a reason, to, and if you have to understand everything in order to be happy, you're going to be unhappy for the rest of your life. Because a lot of stuff happens that we don't understand. That doesn't mean we don't analyze, it doesn't mean we don't think, it doesn't mean we don't reason and ponder the path of our feet. Let all your ways be established. But it doesn't mean that everything, cause and effect, happens according to, um, to justice. We live in a world where really awful things happen to nice people, And really good things happen to awful people. My aunt, Ida, Ferrari, told me that mean people live longer because they're mean. That it's in their blood. That's what she told me. (laughs) David had some things to say about that in Psalm 73. He said, their mouths walk through the earth. Their heart is as fat as grease. These are the ones that prosper. And he goes to the Lord and he says, I... It was too much for me to even say it out loud to the children of this generation until I went to the sanctuary and saw their end. Payday is coming. Justice is coming. It's all in God's hands. We just can relax and have the joy of the Lord in our hearts every day, regardless of our circumstances. Amen? Amen. Quitting is really not an option. I mean, think about where you were. If you think growth is hard, try retrograde and see what happens. So learning a new mindset takes practice. Change takes time. New beliefs gain strength through practice, practice, practice over time. I've taken to claiming promises and, and um, saying things out loud, saying God's word out loud in my prayers. You have nuclear power under your nose. It's called your mouth. And when you say something out loud, your brain hears it and it responds. So you can complain and remain, or you can praise and be raised. You can go to the throne or the phone. We have major, major effect on our brains by the things we say and what we choose to reflect on. So women tend to suffer from more depression as men, they tend to ruminate. What does ruminate mean? We put it in the crock pot and it just goes over and we have to just think about it and talk about it and discuss it and understand it. And all our girlfriends need to know about it. And we need to make sure that we all just sit and talk about it and talk about it. And to the male mind, talking about it means there's a problem. Why are we talking about this? You know, why do you want to talk about this? But talking about it is a good thing for women. But we can really overdo it. And rumination over negative things can really pers- can really um, uh, foster depression. Now, men have a different liability. Men have a different liability. And that is, they tend to be very focused on one thing. When my husband was working at the computer, I could go up and tell him, I'm going to go spend $10,000 and charge every penny of it. That's fine, dear. Have a nice time. He's working. <laughs> And so what happens, what happens if they don't expand their capabilities, if they don't expand social, family, spiritual? Is anybody resonating with me of the male sort here? To, because we, they, God made the male brain, and I'm speaking in generalities, to be focused for a reason. Because he's taking care of this family and the woman does lots of things all at once so she gets five or six points he gets one he's upstairs doing one thing she's cooking baking on the phone helping the kids you know that's a lot of points but what happens to the male brain if it's only focused on one thing one thing one thing it begins to shrink it begins to atrophy in the unused areas so as he ages he gets cranky cranky so this couple is aging he's cranky she's depressed bad combination. So the solution is this wonderful application of the Bible principles, peculiar to our dispositions, peculiar to our temperaments. God knows what each and every one of us needs to have a balanced mind. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. And the prescription is going to vary slightly for each person in terms of what they need to focus on, but the basic principles are the same for all of us. He wants us to have joy and strength and steadfastness, but most of all, a learning mindset. So the learning mindset realizes that people are not mistake free. They just refuse to give up. If you make a mistake and you obsess over it, give yourself a certain amount of time to feel terrible about it. Confess it. Make things right. Make that phone call. Go to God. Get on your knees. But then set the microwave timer for 10 minutes, and then you're done with it. And if you don't feel like you're really done with it, tell yourself, okay, at 4 o'clock this afternoon, I'm going to give myself 10 more minutes on this. But to go over it and over it and over it and over it becomes very self-focused, becomes very destructive, and it fosters, actually, it's, it's very bad for the brain. It's very bad for new nerve cell generation. So learning a new mindset, number three, spending time reading and studying the Word of God actually heals faulty thinking. It, it is just amazing. I, as we claim those promises for ourselves out loud, uh, it really has a healing. It has a healing effect in our minds. Jesus has given us the example of the quintessential learning mindset. He invites us. What does he say? Learn of me. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter one: Cease to do evil; learn to do well. So if we didn't have anything to learn when we give our hearts to God, then He wouldn't say this. But we have everything to learn. So let's just make that decision today that we're going to enjoy learning. We're going to enjoy learning what God has for us, even when it brings us to, con- to confession of character flaws that are harmful to us because it's God pur- God's purpose to heal and not to hurt. Amen? Amen? And so I'm thankful for the circumstances that bring out character traits in my nature that I didn't know were there because he wants to turn your weakness into his strength. I'm thanking him for that today. He's not through with any of us. And uh, how many of you would like to have more of that learning mindset instead of that fixed mindset? Well, your friends want you to have that mindset too. So let's stand as we have prayer. And you will probably have an opportunity to learn something even before the day is out. And we can be thankful. Father in heaven, thank you for this time that we've had together today. What a joy it is how you can turn every weakness into strength. You want to grow us. You want to give us your nature. You want to give us your purpose, power, and strength in our lives. Help us to cooperate with you by looking to you and having a learner mindset. By not being so fragile that we cannot take any kind of experience that will show us what we need to do to improve we thank you for this process we thank you that you are preparing us for your kingdom help us lord jesus never to say no to your spirit help us to be merciful to those who make mistakes in our lives and to remember that we also make mistakes and we thank you in jesus name amen this message was presented at the gyc 2016 conference when all has been heard in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.